Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The disciples were sheltering in place. The windows were shut. The doors were locked. And in a way that sounds surprisingly very familiar to us and contemporary, there were no more than ten in the room. Isn't it amazing how familiar and current to our own life experience Scripture sometimes is and in the oddest of ways? Before this, days or weeks, there would have been 12, 13 counting Jesus, but now Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, was gone, probably dead, and Thomas was inexplicably absent. And Jesus, well, Jesus was a question mark. And more than ever before or ever again, these men were terrified. They had been scared when they were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, where the waves were high and they thought that they would capsize and drown. Their fear that day was but amplified by their wondering why Jesus, who was in the boat asleep in the stern, did not do anything. They said, doesn't he care? But at least Jesus was there, and they did awaken him, and Jesus did calm the storm, and he stilled their fears. But this time in that locked house, Jesus was not there. Three days before, Jesus had been arrested, tried, mocked, beaten, scourged, condemned, crucified. Jesus was dead and buried. And the disciples had every reason to think that they might be next. There were rumors that Jesus was alive. Peter and John themselves had seen the empty tomb. Women who had gone early in the morning that day to care for the body of Jesus said that they were greeted by two men, angels they were, who said, he is not here, he has risen. Mary Magdalene, said that she had seen Jesus and talked with him in the garden outside that tomb. And Cleopas and another unnamed disciples breathlessly related that as they went to Emmaus, a man came and walked with them, and when he broke bread for them, they recognized him to be Jesus. But collectively, the disciples only knew that Jesus was not with them as they hunkered down and waited for what might come. What came was Jesus. Not through the door, not through a window. Jesus did not descend through the ceiling like the man who was let down on his mattress by his friends who had cut a hole in the roof that they might get him close to Jesus no, Jesus simply stood 
among them. And I have to think that that made them even all the more afraid. Maybe especially Peter, who had to have been painfully aware that he had denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, denied even knowing him in that time of trial. And all of the disciples had left him. They had stood far off when Jesus hung on the cross. All of them, all of them except John, who stood with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. And now Jesus stood among them. And they must have wondered, what would he do? What would he say to them? And what Jesus said was, peace be with you. When they saw him and heard those words, they were filled with joy. It was as if life had returned, and it had. These Sundays of Easter in worship and in preaching here at First Lutheran, our theme will be for Easter that you may have life. This comes from John chapter 10 where Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Today we want you to know that God's life is for all. When Thomas was with the disciples again, they said that they had seen Jesus. And Thomas, and for this forever known as Doubting Thomas, refused to believe. If they had seen Jesus, fine, but for his part, he had not. And unless he could see, unless he could touch, unless he could identify by the wounds that he would recognize that this was, in fact, the one who had died, who was alive again, he could not believe or see that Jesus had much to do with him. I suspect that in some ways and in some times, we are not so far distant from Thomas that we can't relate. Last Sunday was, for many of us, maybe the oddest Easter that we've ever experienced. And in some ways, we were like Thomas and the disciples. The doors to the room where we normally gather with other believers in Jesus were closed, we say, out of an abundance of caution. But our caution easily becomes fear. And we, like Thomas, are on the outside or in another way, we are like the disciples, locked in our own closed rooms to keep out whatever it is that we don't want inside. And it's necessary now for us to keep our distance. Unfortunately, caution easily becomes fear, and fear of a virus can easily become fear of people, and yet that does not overcome our need and longing for human contact. We're mindful especially of those who have loved ones or who themselves are in care facilities that are now closed to everyone on the outside. Some of us have children and grandchildren that we long to see and we have friends and neighbors that we would like to gather with and phone and FaceTime and Zoom are great tools 
But what we really want is to be together, to hug and to be hugged. And Thomas wanted to touch Jesus. The Bible that I had when I was in Sunday school as a boy had very few illustrations, but the ones that it had are memorable, perhaps because of their scarcity, but more because they were so different than the rest of the pages that were small letters, black letters on white pages. But these few illustrations were full-page, full-color illustrations in the style of the old master painters, and one that comes to my mind is of the resurrected Jesus, standing with his robe sort of loosely open, showing in his side a red, gaping wound. And Thomas is there reaching out like that, and the caption under the picture is, put forth your hand. Caravaggio's rendition of this scene shows Thomas's and not only reaching out, but his finger deeply in the wound of Jesus, that of a surgeon probing. Thomas did not want to doubt, but Thomas wanted to believe. But he had to explore not just the wounds of Jesus, but he had to explore his own woundedness too. He had to admit his doubts, confess his absence, existence, and to state that he needed to know that God's life is for all, for all, even those who might miss faith-building experiences that others have. He was not so different in a way than the man who brought his son to the disciples of Jesus and asked them to heal him, and they were unable. And he went to Jesus, and he asked Jesus to help him, but adding, if you are able. And Jesus hands it back, kind of as a challenge, saying all things can be done for the one who believes. And the man said, I believe. Help my unbelief. So how was your Easter last Sunday? For many of us, it was great, given the circumstances. For some, it was not so great. Mine was kind of in that category. In a way, it was the first time ever that on an Easter morning, at least, I was alone. None of us could go to church. No family could come and visit. And even my wife was not home, but she was off following her vacation as a registered nurse. And I, for the first time in nearly 40 years, was not following my vocation to be a parish pastor. And I was feeling a bit distant. I missed being able to read that Easter gospel, to preach an Easter sermon, to preside at the communion table, and I really missed singing hymns with a full congregation, as many of us missed that as well. And yet, we were together. We were together through the internet. We were together with Christ, who was not with us through the internet, but through his word, which we clearly heard, and the remembrance of his promise that he would never leave us or forsake us, that he is with us until the close of the age. I said earlier that the disciples were scared on that first Easter day more than they had ever been and more than they ever would be again. And that's kind of odd, given that most of the disciples, and by tradition, all of them, except John, were martyrs. They suffered torture 
and horrendous death. But even then, they were not dissuaded from believing by whatever fears they may have had because they knew that Christ had been raised to new life and that God's life is for all. We heard the words of Peter writing to Christians who were persecuted that reassure us also that through the resurrection of Jesus, we are given life, life that is imperishable, life that for now is safe kept for us in heaven yet to be revealed. But Peter says, in this you rejoice even now, if for a little while you have had to suffer various trials. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Like Thomas, we will again gather with fellow believers in our faith communities, if not next week, then in some week to come, and someday we will gather with Jesus standing visibly among us. We will see his wounds that he suffered so that we may have life. And in that abundant life that is waiting for us, our wounds will be healed, our longings will be satisfied, our fellowship will be complete, and our faith will be fulfilled. And until that day, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. God's life is for all. Peace be with you. Amen. <laughs>